Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Would you open with me in your Bibles to Ephesians, Hebrews chapter 11. We're moving so slow, we end up, whenever I just cover a couple verses, I'm in Hebrews 11 verse 20, I'm only covering three verses, but because of that, we're going to be bouncing all over the place, so I hope, I hope your device you have, you know how to push out the buttons, nobody has, how many guys have a real Bible here? Ooh, I'm so impressed. Yeah, you know what, I just, I just feel like when I teach on Sunday morning, I got to have a real Bible. And I do love the technology, and throughout the week for study and everything, I use my tablet and I use my laptop, but I like teaching from a real Bible. And look, I even have real paper. Most people have their tablets, or I've seen some of the pastors, I like they got their laptops up at the pole. You know, this will never crash on me, you know? And, and you know, I like technology. Anyway, see, I'm getting off. Today's topic is looking ahead in faith, and uh, I'm going to turn this off, I'm going to this is already off, right? I'm going to unplug it. Because Italians never want anything in front of them when they're talking. Because you can't do this. All right, there you go. So um, the title is Looking Ahead in Faith. And because today we're going to focus on another aspect of faith. As we've been going through the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, we're learning a lot of different lessons. And I hope you notice I'm taking a different approach than I've seen many times where people just teach it all in one sitting. I want to take our time and look at each of the characters mentioned, at least a little bit. And we're looking at today the anticipation of faith. That um, faith is seeing beyond sight. Faith is believing past even your own lifetime. Faith goes way ahead. It's not just for right now, right here. Um, And and as a matter of fact, as I've been studying this chapter, I've become more and more aware that All of these people in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, most of these people that God points to as an example of righteousness of faith, most of these people never saw God's promises fulfilled in their lifetime. Most of them, God made great promises to them, but it was something they had to anticipate on the other side of the hill that they'll never see in this lifetime. You ever feel like that with some of the promises God's given you? But how contrary is that to today's popular word of faith movement, right? I mean, now people want to teach, you can, if you believe it, you can have it right here. You can have your best life now. Have you heard that before? Because they want to get you to, to claim this and claim that, and you don't have to put up with this. And you, it's like, it's not, folks, it's not all about this life. And that's kind of hard because we, we, we kind of grown attached to this life, haven't we? our things and our possessions and our, our home and our family. But 
everything you could see with your physical eyes is temporary. Everyone that you have a relationship with here in this life, it's temporary, and then we'll, we'll have eternal relationships in heaven, of course. But unfortunately, I think most of westernized Christianity has become very carnal, very off-focused, looking at the here and now, and we've got to do this, and we've got to have it now. And you can... I think that when we look at what God considers commendable in faith, we might have to adjust our attitudes because we don't want to read the scriptures with rose-colored glasses and go, that's right, I claim this is mine, and this is mine. Hold on a second. We've already looked at Abraham, but today we're going to look at Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and all of these, including Abraham, they all believed a promise of God that they never saw in their lifetime. Maybe hints of it, maybe the beginnings of it, but all of four of these men, and as a matter of fact, as we'll look in a moment, many of the people in the hall of faith. So here's your first fill-in before we even really launch off here. Well, wait, wait, let me read verse 39 through 40 in... Um, <clears throat> in Hebrews 11, because this is something that really says it as well. Verse 39 says this, All these, at the end of the hall of faith, all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. So after giving a big list of people, God, the Holy Spirit, who, who wrote the book of Hebrews, says, look at all these people. All of them, they, were all, they all got a pat on the back from God for being people of faith, and yet they never received the promise. Look at verse 40. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now, what would that mean? That means those people in the Old Testament that we command, that we look at, and we, and we think, boy, I want to be like them, and us all together, we're all going to get our rewards together. It's not like, oh, I wish I was like them. Look what they, didn't, they had to wait. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for me. They're waiting for the day when, when we get to heaven, We'll all together experience it together. Folks, we need an eternal perspective. What really ruins a lot of Christians is they're too earthly-minded. But what about this? Have you watched the stock market lately and um, prices of my home? Shut up. You can't lose. If you're a Christian, you can't lose. We got heaven. Matter of fact, uh, here, I was going to give you your fill-in. Let's give it to you now. Much of the life of faith is waiting that's the word, waiting for God's promises. And I'll give you a couple verses on that. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Paul writes, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, look at this, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Not because, because I know someday you're going to be rich. You're going to be a Christian. If you're really right with God, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Is that what the Bible teaches? That's what a lot of westernized Christianity teaches. But read your Bible. I didn't finish it. It says, which the, the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. And so as we study our Bibles, as we look to the gospel, it points us to heaven. It gets us looking up. Again, uh, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. He wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He's talking about what we should be doing. He says, to wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. There's two things I want you to see in that verse. Number one, our hope is in heaven. We're waiting 
for Jesus. I don't, you're not waiting for the stock market to turn around. You might be, but that's really just a blip on the radar screen. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. And that's number one. Number two, who delivers us from the wrath to come. We're studying in our evangelism training class, uh, The Way of the Master on Wednesday night, that really the motivation for becoming a Christian should be that there's judgment coming. We're going to all be judged for our sin. And we need to make sure we're right with God. Who delivers us from the wrath to come? Jesus Christ. It's not, you know, to, so we, we talked about it uh, last uh, Wednesday, that the, uh, the false gospel is what you need is happiness. What you need is love, joy, and peace. And so accept Jesus, and he'll make everything wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Have you ever had that happen to you? That's not the gospel. The gospel is that we are all sinners. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gospel is that Jesus is coming back someday to judge the living and the dead. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You'll look at some of that in your small groups uh, in, in the midweek meetings. But the gospel is that Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. That should be the draw. Father, we pray as we look at your word today that you'd help us to get what you want to say. Help us to catch your point, to hear your voice as we look at your word. Speak to us, Lord. We're your people. You're our God. Have your way in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's, now, here, I'm going to give you, a, I'll start out with another fill-in. And here it is. Too many Christians today think that we should be experiencing heaven on earth right now. Heaven on earth right now. That's a misconception. Have you ever studied church history? Have you read the book of Acts? Lots of problems. Lots of trials. Persecution. Martyrdom. Okay? Uh, here's the, you know, again, the whole problem with your best life now. Not necessarily your best life later. As a matter of fact, here's your second half of that fill-in. The truth is, it's suffering now and reward later. Suffering now and reward later. Now, some of you guys go, well, I'm not suffering. Good, I'm happy for you. Give it time. One way or another, everyone in this room, everyone on earth will suffer. I'd rather suffer for Jesus than just suffer. I mean, everyone, Christian or non-Christian, everybody suffers, right? But if I'm going to suffer, I'd rather suffer for the righteousness sake. So, Lord, bring it on. You know what? Jesus even warned his disciples several times on this topic. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, Jesus told his disciples, his 12. He said, you're going to be rich someday. You're going to have a mansion on earth and you're going to never get sick and never have any problems because you believe in me. Is that what he... Oh, wait, I'm reading the wrong Bible. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Listen to this though. He who endures to the end will be saved. You know how the early church thought? We've got to be tough. We've got to hang in there. We've got to put up with the trials and tribulations of life. We've got to endure to the end. That's not what westernized Christianity tends to teach us, is that, oh, you could be blessed. We're blessed. I, look, I'm blessed, and we could be blessed even while we're suffering. Listen, Jesus also told his disciples before he 
went up into heaven, he said this in John 16, 33, great memory verse. These things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. But look at this. In the world, you will have tribulation. You want to claim a verse? Claim that one. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. What Jesus is saying is, you're going to have problems in this life. It's a no-brainer. But I'm with you. Lo, I'm with you always, even in the end of the world, I will be with you, and I'm going to be with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. Okay? It's the presence of the Lord that matters. It's his presence and his hand on my life that I value. Not all the earthly things that too many people emphasize. One more. In Revelation, when Jesus was either comforting or rebuking the churches in Revelation, the seven churches in Asia, he said to the church of Smyrna, he said in Revelation 2.10, do not fear of any of those things which you're about to suffer. Hold on a second. That's how Jesus started to address this church. Don't be afraid, you're going to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. You will have tribulation ten days, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Folks, payday is not on this earth. Our final retirement, our final reward, whatever you want to call it, when you hit the jackpot, it's not going to be on this earth. And if you get that, I know you're watching the, the lotto go up, right? What is it, past $1.8 I saw in the news? That'll just make your life more miserable because all of a sudden you'll have friends you never knew you had. All your relatives want to be your buddy again, right? Look, payday is in heaven. It's not here. So I'm looking forward to that day. And you know what? I really believe that's the pattern of normal Christianity until he returns. In Romans chapter 8, Paul put it like this. Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we're saved in this hope, but the hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for uh, what he sees? If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So folks, get your eyes up. Get your eyes on Jesus Get your eyes on eternity. Let's have an eternal perspective and we'll have what God wants us to have, the proper perspective in life, okay? Here's another fill-in that goes along with that. And uh, it goes right with your inserts if, you're, if you haven't caught on by now. This earth is not our home. You probably already guessed that. We are waiting to go home, okay? So the anticipation of faith is what I want to talk about today. We are looking for and our faith is not in this life matter of fact paul wrote to the philippians he said in philippians 3 20 for our citizens our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly also wait for a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed into his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to even subdue all things to himself that's going to take a lot to change this body to be like jesus body but he can do it and I'm looking forward to it. You know, when I was younger, I used to do a lot of workout, exercises, surfing, go to the gym. It's, you know, it, it just doesn't stick. I mean, I, there were times, when I was 45, I could do 100 push-ups. Don't ask me now. Now I got, you saw me walk in here with a brace. It's like, my body's falling apart. I'm waiting for a new one. 
I'm looking beyond this life to what the Lord's going to bring to me. Help us, Lord, to not put all of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of our expectations in this life. You will be disappointed. We need to get our eyes on heaven. So, now, review the story. Last week, we were in Hebrews chapter 11, but we covered Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, uh, who had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed will be called. So he's going, wait, isn't this the one you promised that you're going to make me a father of many nations through Isaac? And now you want me to offer him as a sacrifice? Remember, we talked about that. I'm not going to review the whole story. Verse 19 says, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. We looked at that word. It's actually the Greek word is paraboli, which is it was a parable, though it really happened. It was also a picture of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest pictures of the gospel that I know in the Old Testament is Abraham sacrificing Isaac, saying, bring, walk it up to the mountain, and Isaac says, Dad, um, I see the fire, the wood, you got the knife. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, <laughs> no, he didn't say that. <laughs> Abraham said, the Lord will provide. And indeed, we talked about it on that very mountain range, on that very hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull, is where the Lord provided the final sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Wonderful picture we saw. And so Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, helps us to get deeper insight to what the Lord meant when he said, like back in Habakkuk 2.4, but the just shall live by faith. And so we're learning this, and, and I hope you don't mind. I hope you appreciate it. We're going to take a little time and look at each one of these. Maybe we won't... We could go even deeper, but I'm not going to, we, we could go through the whole story, life story, but I'm going to, by the way, one of the things I want you to do in your small groups is pick one of these characters we're covering today and um, go deeper. Pick one of the characters and just kind of review some of the things we don't have time for on Sunday morning, what you learned from their life, okay? So let's start with three verses. The first one is verse 20 of Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. Now, just to make sure you're tracking with me, Isaac was Abraham's son who <clears throat> thought he was going to be sacrificed. But it was Abraham's son. And you would think, <clears throat> if you're going to find, <clears throat> if you're going to find one way, I got I to do that right. If you're going to find one thing in Isaac's life that you're going to think, whoa, what a man of faith. You would think it would be, he was a young man and he was willingly laying on the altar letting his father assumably you sacrifice him. You, that's a step of faith, right? But it's funny, the Holy Spirit doesn't bring that out. The Holy Spirit points out to something else in Isaac's life that was more worthy to mention, and it was the anticipation of faith. It was, it was about something about way in the future that Isaac would never see, and yet he believed God for it. And so let me give you a little backstory to that first before we look at the actual story to it, because you need to get... The, the back story. Matter of fact, I, I love reading from the New Living, which will, uh, it reads like a story, so we'll look at it. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 19 starts out like this. This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian, from Padaram, the sister of Laban. And that's a whole other story you could talk about. The Aramean. 
Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. And the Lord answered Isaac's prayer. And Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in the womb. That's siblings for you before they even come out, right? So, so she went and asked the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. Mm-mm. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve the younger. Remember that. Esau is the older. Jacob is the younger. What, the twins? Well, one came out first, Okay. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. I don't think I'd want to have a baby like that. I said, oh, Pastor Mike, you have Bigfoot or Littlefoot. So, so they named him Esau. Esau means hairy. People are named hairy today, but this was hairy for another reason, Okay. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. He was coming out like, don't you try to get ahead of me. They're fighting. Who's going to come out first, I guess? I don't know. So he comes out holding on to Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Now Jacob means heel catcher or supplanter, meaning the one who wants to replace the other. And that was the picture of their battle in life. Isaac was 60 years old when he... Uh, when the twins were born. That's not a good time to start a family, by the way. Back then, he had a long ways to go yet. He lived probably another uh, 50, 60. I don't know how many more years he lived. They lived a long time then. Don't start a family at 60 if you could avoid it, okay? Uh, so as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. But Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay home and play video games. He was a mama's boy, okay? One was a hunter going, oh, you need some food, Dad? I'm a, I'll be right back with some venison. He goes out and gets it. Jacob goes, bring me something too. I think I hear the ice cream truck. No, that's not me. <clears throat> and so, verse 28, Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. <laughs> typical Isaac, typical dad, right? Food. But Rebecca loved Jacob because he sat on her lap when he played the video games. One day... When Jacob was cooking stew, now look at it, Jacob was cooking his stew. Mama taught him how to cook, isn't that nice? He spent a lot of time in the kitchen. Stop, Mike, you're, I gotta just read this. I'm getting carried away with it. Okay. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home with, uh, from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. And this is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. So he was hairy and red. I don't, exp- don't ask me. Verse 31. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Now, if you know about ancient culture, the firstborn son always had the father's greatest inheritance rights. Not that the other kids didn't get anything, but he inherited the name, the power, the prestige, uh, at least a double portion of everybody else. He was super blessed because he was the firstborn son. And Jacob said to Esau, all right, you want some stew? It's going to cost you. Um, Jacob replied, trade me your rights as firstborn son. Esau says, look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me? A little exaggeration. But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. 
Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Boy, I hope it was worth it. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as a firstborn child, the son. Now listen, it was already prophesied, right? It was already something God told Rebekah this is going to happen. And so uh, here it is. It's ha- it, the beginnings of it right now, the little conniving going on between Jacob and Esau. Now let's look a little bit further ahead in Genesis chapter 27. And if I, I'm going to just take my time with this because if, if we don't finish it, I'll pick up on some of the other sons, some of the other people in these verses next week. But this is just too good to just skip through, okay? Uh, and, and if we turn to Genesis chapter 27, you get what... what what you might call, I don't know if any of you guys even know what this word means, a dysfunctional family. You think when you look up the word dysfunctional family that your family's in the dictionary picture. No, this is the dysfunctional family that beats all. Okay, Genesis 27, verse 1, again from the New Living because it reads like a story. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, my son... Yes, Father, Esau replied, or actually, yes, Father, because he was the manly man, right? I'm I'm an old man now, and Isaac said, I don't know when I might die. He lived probably another 40 years after this, but you know how us guys could be, okay? We milk it. Take your bow and your quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. <laughs> he just wanted a good meal, right? But Rebekah overheard Isaac, uh, what he said to Esau. And when Esau left to hunt the wild game, she said to her son, Jacob, here's the mama's boy coming into the picture. Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I'll bless you with, uh, in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son... Listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out into the flocks. Bring me two fine goats. Do goats taste like venison? I don't, that, okay. If mama knows how to prepare it, right? I guess that makes the difference. Uh, I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food your father, uh, excuse me, then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday Morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.